Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? Wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. This is the big fight reaction for Natasha Jonas versus Michaela Mayer. Natasha Jonas retains her IBF crown in a controversial split decision. Jamie is on the podcast with me for this big fight reaction show. Jamie, welcome. As always, it's going to be an interesting conversation because there is divide across the boxing fraternity regarding this particular fight. And I'm glad that I've got you on to to talk about it because we've had a little chat prior to recording this episode. And I know that we're in some ways on opposing sides of the fence when it comes down to how we saw this result. So it does make for an interesting conversation. But first, before we talk about the fight itself and the details and the breakdown and what we think about the scoring, etc., etc., what did you think of the fight overall? Um, I thought that the well, first and first and foremost, good evening. Uh, before I jump in, thank you for having me on again, Sean. It's a pleasure. Um, I thought that the hype, you know, afterwards, everyone saying that it was like Hagler Hearns and and things like that. I think that was a bit overboard. Again, I think that's because of the duration of the fight rather than um, you know, the the the, the showing. If you know what I mean, like the two minute rounds, they foster that sort of fast fast-paced delivery you get that with a lot of the women's fights um in terms of the fight itself yeah it was it was a bit of a ding-dong battle and i'm going to be using that term quite a bit um over the course of this show a uh, bit of a ding-dong battle and you mentioned about controversy i think this is great because we follow on from a boxing wish list show that we did the other week and i think this uh marries into to one of the points we made about sort of rematch clauses and scorecards as well because this is one of those uh, areas whereby, you know, it's what you like rather than uniformity. And I think we'll uh, we'll delve into that a bit deeper as we go on, won't we, Sean? Absolutely. So let's talk about the fight first before we get to the, the nitty-gritty of the controversy around the scoring and who actually won in people's minds. So the fight itself went quite ferocious from the start. I didn't expect it to start as quickly as he did and I know like you said and I'll jump on the back of a point you just made which is with it being 10 twos it does create a more fast-paced environment for a lot of these big fights in the female side of the sport to happen and we've seen it of course most recently with Chantal Cameron and Katie Taylor and their two fights in 2023 created uh, two really really good fights and we've seen it with Katie Taylor fights before and to be honest I wasn't expecting it to be this way in this particular fight but Michaela Mayer didn't really start very well in my opinion she started quite lethargic she her footwork was 
like it looked non-existent at times she was sort of rather than bouncing around which is what natasha jonas was doing she was using lateral movement around the ring michaela mayer just seemed to sort of slide across the ring canvas and, and not really pick her feet up off the floor and then at times she felt like she was she was sort of falling into range for natasha jonas and i think that's why jonas had that early success and why people believe she took those early rounds and and, and mayer admitted post-fight as well that you know she felt Jonas did take those early rounds and I think that was the reason why she did I think Michaela Mayer sort of started quite she looked ring rusty I think that was the word I wanted to use she looked rusty she didn't look like you could tell she'd been out for a few months and that she'd she'd not had that activity level that maybe she wanted to have however she adapted and she changed and she started to turn that negative into a positive and she started to become more aggressive she pushed the fight forward on Jonas and forced Jonas to exchange at times where maybe she didn't want to exchange during the course of the fight and you could see the tide starting to turn a little bit in the middle rounds and then as we got into the later rounds of the fight that's where you could start to see that I think Mayo was starting to get a little bit more dominant as the fight was coming towards its close and I think that's why people believe she probably should have got the nod on this night but for me personally, I I saw it as a as a very very close fight. At the end of the fight, when the bell rang, my first initial reaction was that this is probably going to be a draw, and that's what I expected on the scorecards. When I seen there was a split decision, and obviously one judge for Joe and that's one for Mayer, I thought the third judge is probably going to go ninety five ninety five a draw. But I was surprised when it was ninety six ninety five, and then it was in favour of Jonas. Do I think Jonas won the fight? Uh, yes I do I think she won I think she just edged it and the reason why I think she just edged it was because I again this is what it comes down to when it comes down to judging my preference for this fight what I enjoyed more taking any emotion or bias out of the situation I enjoyed the cleaner work from Natasha Jonas I felt like when she picked her punches she picked them well and she didn't just pick them to the head she picked them to the body she picked them on the inside she did them on the outside her jab was absolutely spot on at times so I preferred that work whereas I know other people preferred the opposite which was Michaela Mayer's come forward aggressiveness and her ability to start to land on Jonas as the fight went on but for me I I just felt like Jonas just slightly very slightly edged it I wouldn't have been upset at a draw and I also wouldn't have been upset if the decision did go the other way because I can totally understand why people have have sat there and gone, Michaela Mayer won this fight. So that's my opinion, Jamie. What's your opinion on this fight? Well, I'm going to say you you don't particularly understand my reasoning, do you? And uh, the reasoning of one of the judges, I scored the fight 97-93 for Michaela Mayer. And it is, um, you know, going back to the uh, 2024 Boxing Wishlist episode that we did, um, talking about sort of uniformity, and I've used that word before, um, there's no sort of set criteria. And it, again, it's a shame that it is sort of what you like. I'm very much a proponent of, you know, your aggressive sort of American style of uh, judging, perhaps. Do you know what I mean? And I felt at times um, I was impressed with uh, Natasha Jones's footwork, and I did score her for that a couple of times. You know, she was quite defensively, uh, defensively sound. She'd skipped just out of range, but I just felt that, you know, the rounds that Michaela Mayer was winning and she was pulling away down the stretch, you know, in, in complete sort of contrast to what, you know, how you felt, um, I just felt like she she was the heavier, heavy-handed puncher. She looked more comfortable sort of utilising her weight. 
And when she dug, when she dug at Natasha Jonas, you know, it was really showing. Jonas was really marked up around the face at the end of the fight as well. And she looked like she'd been in a war. And to me, that's what I was counting. I was counting the severity of the shots rather than just, you know, volume. And yeah, that's what I like. As you're saying, that's what you like. So, yeah, that was my um, my sort of, you know, my reasoning for scoring the fight the way I did. Uh, there's a lot of people that, again, you'd go sort of either way. I didn't really think the commentary helped either. I don't know if you're, you know, you watch the uh, fights with the commentary on Sean, but the commentary was very biased towards Natasha Jonas. And, you know, regardless, irregardless of her being a British fighter, I don't think that's right. Do you know what I mean? I think you need to call it how you see it. Um, I watched the highlights first and foremost, and I had it a lot closer when I watched the highlights. And then I went back and watched the full fight uh, with the commentary off, and I made my decision. And I scored it 97-93 for Michaela Mayer. Well, there you go, guys. That is Jamie's input on this. And this is a good conversation to, to really have. And it bleeds into this conversation that we had on the Boxing Wishlist 2024 episode. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and do listen to it. Because we do cover a lot of these things that we do want to see changed in the sport. And this is one of them. The lack of transparency around the judging criteria, because that's where the differences lie. For, for us, we can sit here and argue about who we thought won the fight. I felt Jonas slightly edged it. You felt Michaela Meyer comfortably won it. And a lot of people feel like Meyer comfortably won it. And I understand why people feel that way. If I was having Maya winning this fight, I thought she would have only just edged it as well. I thought it was that close where it could have probably gone either way. Whereas, obviously, other people like yourself, Jamie, are... You're going on a different opinion. If you're looking at CompuBox stats, if if they mean anything to anybody, Michaela Mayer actually had 149 body punches landed against Natasha Jonas, 125. Total jabs landed was 15 for Natasha Jonas, 12 for Mayer. And total power punches landed was 137 to 110. So that was 137 for Mayer and then 110 for, for Jonas. So... Make of make of that what you will. If you if you kind of go off punch statistics alone to judge a fight, then you'd be ultimately awarding that fight to Michaela Mayer, and it brings up an interesting conversation about the judging element of it. And rather than sitting here and trying to justify my decision and your decision, we've given our opinions on that. I think the bigger issue really here is again this transparency within judging criteria. It's it's not clear at all as to how a judge has scored a fight and, and why they've scored around a, a certain way. Why have they given a round to Mayer that maybe people would have thought they've given to Jonas? And that's that's the problem. When it comes down to scorecards, there's no, there's no clear criteria for people to fully understand. So when we see these scorecards, like you've given it 97-93, I laughed at that. I thought that was funny. I was like, nah, that, that's a bit ridiculous. I, I, did, I honestly thought it, it should have been closer. If I'm being totally honest, I do. And I still do think it should have been closer. Despite like what your opinion is, I still think it should have been closer. But the problem is, is the problem that we've been having for such a long time that hasn't been changed and probably won't be changed. There's no criteria for people to really look at and fully understand and comprehend as to why a judge has made a decision on a fight. And what we're left with here is the aftermath of Michaela Mayer not being able to have a rematch now because... What I didn't know going into this fight was that there was a rematch clause only on one side. My understanding was there was a rematch clause in 
But I made the assumption that it was on both sides. So when Maya sits in the interview and goes, well, I want a rematch, but there wasn't a clause only on her side. So if Jonas would have lost, she would have had the right to exercise that rematch. But yet, it sounds like in the post-fight interview, she probably isn't going to give it her, and she's probably going to move on and try and chase that bigger fight that she's wanted for a while, which is the Clarissa Shields fight. So going back to the judging then, Jamie, just focusing on that for a few more moments, it is a problem, and when you seemingly get a fight that divides opinion like this, as we've seen many times before, there's, there's just no, no seemingly, no way of being able to change situations like this for the better because no matter what we say no matter how many boxing journalists out there or boxing media outlets bang on about this we're just going to get the same old rinse and repeat situation and we're never going to truly know why a judge unless they come out and justify it we're never going to know why a judge has given the decision a certain way and it's really frustrating isn't it as a fan it's frustrating to to not get that justification, to know why is it so wide? Why has ju- one judge got it so wide in comparison to the other two who had it much closer? Well, we know the answer to that question, Sean, really. We do know the answer to the question as to why a judge is going wider than another because, again, going back to that phrase, it's what you like. But that shouldn't be the criteria, what you like. Do you know what I mean? You don't have a football match, do you? You don't, you don't watch Chelsea and Manchester United and, you know, it goes gets to nil-nil and then someone goes, oh, yeah, Man United won that one nil, like the old newspaper decisions they used to have in the in the boxing world. You know, um, you, you can't have that. It shouldn't be. It's, it's not what you like. And then traveling back in time to our wish list episode, which I think is going to get a lot of traction after this discussion. Um, this is certainly getting a lot of coverage. You know, going back to that, uh, and I've mentioned about the sort of uh, I'm quite willing to sit down and write the rules. Having a rule book, would that solve the issue of you know, having universal rules? Because even with something as simple as sort of the old amateur boxing, you know, the Olympic-style judging, they balls that up as well, for want of a better phrase, you know. People just pressing buttons when a punch was landed, and, and they couldn't even get that right. I think that the problem is, um, you know, we can have these, these rules that I keep babbling on about that a lot of people have, have been talking about, you know, whereby... We need uniformity. There's that word again. Um, but we also need everybody to stand up and go, look, this is a right wrong mess. This is a right wrong mess. And it's people like Michaela Mayer that are suffering. You know, she's already been on the end of what some would perceive as a bad decision against Alicia Baumgardner. You know, I felt she won that fight as well, and it was a lot closer than, than I had it um, against the Sasha Jonas. But if you're that woman... You know, and, and she's a good pundit as well. She's a good proponent of the game. She knows what she's doing. She can clearly fight. But she's just, she's coming over to England and she's not getting these decisions. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's the fighters at the end of the day. You know, I'm not, I don't feel sorry for the promoters or anyone around them. I feel sorry for the people that are putting their heart and soul into training, into, into doing their best to make a better life for themselves. They're trying to go up the ladder. They're trying to earn a bit more money. And you get, you know... You get decisions that are so varied in their delivery, and it's it's ridiculous, Sean. So no, I, I don't feel like you know it's a case of it's a case of you know why are they doing this? Well, we know why they're doing it because it's it is a case of what you like, and that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable, and that's part and there of the problem. And 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 like I said earlier, I don't think that's going to change. I think we, unless 
people take a stand unless big names within the sport take a stand against this. It's it's never going to change. You're just going to have to accept the decisions and move on. And and unfortunately, that's what's going to happen here. You know, we can we can sit and moan and cry about it and tell people to make a stand against it, but ultimately the reality of the situation is no one's really done it before and no one probably will follow in it and it'll just be another case of a decision which probably should have gone the either, either way you know the other way and then that person suffers that person then has to move on and the person that wins the fight you know maybe goes to get that big money fight that maybe some people feel that they didn't necessarily deserve at this stage so it's yeah, it's 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 a hard one. It's a hard one because I felt for both of them really. I felt like, you know, I felt Jonas won the fight. I understand why people think Maya won the fight. Maya feels like she's been hard done to, and I get it. I totally get it, and I sympathise with her. And does she deserve a rematch based on that performance? Of course she does. Of course she does. Is she going to get it? Well, that's another question. You know, if, if Tasha wants to give it her, she's in the position to give her it. If the IBF would mandate that fight to happen again, then yeah, I, I would be happy to see it again because I think the styles gelled really well and it created a good fight. Would it create the same level of value in terms of money? I'd, I'd like to think so, but Natasha Jonas is 39. Natasha Jonas is coming towards the end of her career. She wants a big, big fight with Clarissa Shields. She's been asking for it for a little while. It's seemingly going to happen, then it doesn't happen, then it's on again, then it's off again. I think she's going to chase that. But looking at social media polls, looking at media outlets, they're saying, what fight do we want to see next? And a lot of people are voting for either a Terry Harper rematch, a Katie Taylor rematch, or a Michaela Mayer rematch. So out of the three that are being put on the table by fans in general, which one of them would you actually prefer to see? Bearing in mind, Jonas has said this is her last year in the sport. Which one of those three fights would you like to see her contesting, or would you like to see the Shields fight? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be as consistent as I can be. Um, we discussed it in the previous show, the wish list again um, about rematches, and this is the kind of thing. You know, I was talking about, obviously, she feels hard done by Michaela Mayer about the rematch clause. But uh, we were discussing the, the rematch clause situation, weren't we? And saying, you know, it, it shouldn't be, in some cases, get rid of them. Get rid of them and let social media do the talking. Well, social media has done the talking. And, you know, I can only speak from my own scorecard. Um, I think at times during the fight, Sky do the do the scoring according to the, according to the viewers. And I think I scored the fight quite, um, at one point, at least when I was looking at it, my scorecard was the same as the viewers. So, you know, the viewers are speaking. Well, let's listen to the viewers. Let's have this rematch, get it out of the way. And then, you know, she's, she can calm a few ghosts down then, can't she, um, Jonas? And then, you know, if she comes through that, which personally, I don't think she will in a rematch, I think, but, um, you know, Maya's really going to go in there and, and try and, lay things to rest and maybe maybe go for the knockout if she can, insist on three-minute rounds as well because that way it leaves less to the judges, don't it, if you've got an extra minute of action. Um, let's get the ghost of, of this fight out of the way and then and then we can see Carissa Shields. But on that performance the other night, as thrilling as it was, I think Shields stands Jonas on her head, to be honest with you. 
Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. I just want to go off the back of a point you've you've just raised there with regards to obviously Natasha Jonas and sort of moving moving forward in her career and and the fight with Maya being a rematch. It was mentioned when they got them both together at ringside with uh, Anna Woolhouse and Johnny Nelson. They got them together there and they basically talked about maybe doing this again, but with three-minute rounds and that conversation was had there at ringside. And I know Natasha Jonas rightfully said, you know, we want to get paid for doing three-minute rounds. And, and that's right. And I know Mayer totally agreed with that. If this would have been a maybe a 10 three-minute fight would it have ended within the distance that's what other people that i've seen have said about this fight that it probably wouldn't have gone the distance if they would have been three minute rounds because there would have been more time over the course of that fight potentially for Mayer to have have broken down jonas and maybe have got the stoppage late in the fight that's what other people feel possibly could have happened here we're never going to know because it hasn't happened. But if that fight was to be agreed as a rematch and then they both decided and agreed upon and were paid well enough to go 10 three-minute rounds, then there's a good chance that this fight doesn't go the distance a second time round, which is what I'm jumping on the back of your saying there. I would like to see that happen. I would like to see it happen. I know Amanda Serrano gave up her, her title with the WBC for the sole fact is that she wanted to go 12 threes and she went ahead and did it and fair play to her for taking that stand against the WBC. That's only right that she did that. And I think if these two want to do it again and they want to do it on their terms and they can get paid and the promotional aspect of it can be paid well to them, then when why not? Because we would definitely see a difference in the way this side of boxing works. When we get a lot of these fights. They are very competitive, highly competitive. They're very fast-paced because there are only two minutes in a round. But if you had three minutes in a round, you would probably find that you'd see more tactical fights, more strategic fights, more fights that probably end within the distance because they've got longer to, to work the other fighter out. So I think it's, it's something for me that's on the table that I think I want to see going forward. And if these two want to go at it again, my suggestion would be to try and push for the three-minute rounds. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, I'd also agree with the point of, you know, the girls are making players. And if they, you know, we'll work. We'll work for a salary. Um, and you wouldn't you wouldn't do more work for less money, would you? So uh, until they sort of bring it up. But is it, is it a bit of a vicious cycle? Because unless you try it, you... You know, the promoters could turn around and go, Well, you're not you're not worthy of being paid the same if you're not you know. Not everybody's um not everybody's jumped to the chance to do the three minutes, have they? Some some of the girls say that they they prefer the twos, they prefer the fast paced environment. And, you know, it's more fan friendly, isn't it, at the end of the day. So for fans, yeah, the, the two minute rounds. But you know, would would you be looking at the, the money aspects there? Um, and maybe giving them more money even with the too many rounds and saying, look, they're, they're delivering a more exciting product. Pay them, pay them well. But I think it all comes down to, to viewing figures at the end of the day and, and uh, you know, maybe maybe more people would view women's boxing if it was three minutes. You know, there's a lot of things to consider, really, but I agree. Um, I would like to see the three-minute rounds just to bring it into, you know, into the same arena as the men, and then we'll, we'll see where we go from there. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll just touch on a couple of the other fights on the undercard. Just obviously notable mentions, Jack Cullen and Zach Challey. Zach Challey finally realising one of his dreams, becoming British champion and Commonwealth champion, beating Jack Cullen in their rematch over 12 rounds. In probably what was a bit of a drab affair, in my opinion, I felt like it was quite... It was quite boring at times. It wasn't the fight, essentially, that I was hoping it would develop into. And I think what Zach Jolly did was he did what he had to do. He negated what Jack Cullen had. He didn't allow Jack Cullen to be the same Jack Cullen in, in the first fight, where he was able to land at will on Zach Jolly and, and ultimately dominate him throughout the course of, of that first fight, uh, where Zach Jolly then had to come back and claw his way back into the fight. And ultimately... This was a different fight than the first one. And I think Jack, I've seen since the loss to Zach, has actually pretty much put a retirement statement out on social media that he's pretty much done with the sport. I I don't think he'll be back after this. I think he's he's reached his ceiling when it comes down to what you can achieve in this sport and what he can achieve in this sport. And I think he's allowing others now to take that sort of step in and going forward. With, with big fights in the British super middleweight scene. And unfortunately for Zach Jelly, his first defence of that British title will be against Callum Simpson because that's what the British Boxing Board of Control have said. They, this fight would be based upon the winner going ahead and fighting Callum Simpson, which is going to be a difficult prospect indeed for Zach Jelly, who would have to be much more aggressive against someone like a Callum Simpson. But it wasn't an exciting affair to watch. If you guys listening watched it, it probably was one of those fights where you was flicking between watching it and going on your phone and then maybe coming back to it, going on your phone again, or maybe even going making a brew or whatever. It really wasn't... You didn't miss anything anyway. If you didn't watch the fight, guys, you didn't miss anything. It was it was a bit of a drab affair. But fair play to both guys for getting in the ring. And, and well done to Zach as well for, for finally getting to that moment in his career where he was able to bounce back from a defeat to Mark Jeffers to then go in and win the British title. He's, he just shows you that in one or two fights, things can change quite dramatically in this sport. Yeah, very much so. And then talking to Mark Jeffers, he uh, he came through against Jermaine Brown, who's, who's a bit of an old favourite of mine because I'm not sure if he still is, but he was trained by a guy called Mick Guilfoyle. We used to box with my dad when they were kids uh, down Fitzroy Lodge. So I've always kept an eye on Jermaine Brown's career. Uh, Mark Jeffers moved to 17-0 with four knockouts. Uh, last year, analyst decision win. And Jermaine Brown's very competent, very competent boxer. So that's not too bad. And he's won the uh, won the English title with that as well. I think that was on YouTube, but it's up on the Sky Sports channel now for anybody that wants to wants to catch up with that one. Yeah, I was surprised that they put it on so early, to be honest. I think that was one of the things I did see on social media. A lot of people didn't really understand why the fight was on so early on on the card and, and and I don't think Jeff has complained I didn't see any complaints from him about that he's probably happy to get the job done uh get paid and and, and go on maybe either watch the rest of the fights and or go and go and celebrate with his with his family and friends but yeah it didn't it seemed like a strange decision to me I know there's a lot of people that didn't really agree with the fact that there were a certain other fights put further up the card than what marks were uh, I did see some of the oh, other probably, fights I did see some of the other fights on the card, and I'll mention, obviously, a couple of the results for people listening. Uh, Carita Hartinstall went eight rounds and got another points decision to go 6-0. and uh, Aaron McKenna took on late replacement Mickey Ellison and stopped him in 
six rounds after a corner retirement. Mickey had a broken wrist, I believe, in that fight as well. I read that on social media uh, today that he actually went in there very last minute and he ended up getting a broken wrist early on in the fight and managed to soldier through up until the corner had to pull him out. Jack Massey also came back after his loss to Joseph Parker last year and got a first-round TKO stoppage as well. And there was victories there for Mikey Talon and Stephen Clark on this particular bill. And that is pretty much what happened over the weekend. I'm not going to make any mention to anything else that happened over the weekend because, of course, I don't want any sort of airtime. But, Jamie, just a few final thoughts then on... Jonas and Mayer before we call an end to this particular episode any sort of final takeaways from this and anything that you you really want to see happen now going forward um I'd like to see I'd like to see Michaela Mayer get treated with with more respect to be honest I think she's very very competent and again I understand it's the case of it's what you like but I'm, I'm speaking as a fan and I think she's been royally shafted in two fights now. I know you'll disagree with that, but that's the beauty of me coming on this show and uh, that's the beauty of life. I think we've all got what, different opinions, but yeah, I would like to see social media doing the talking, um, as I mentioned in the Wishlist show, and people standing up and saying, you know, this isn't right, let's get this going. Well, that pretty much brings an end to this particular episode. A little bit quieter this week, but we are going to be back again with another episode, which is going to be the big fight preview between Jaime Munguia and John Ryder. But as we've said a couple of times in this episode, we did release the Boxing Wishlist 2024 episode just a few days ago. So please, if you haven't listened back to that yet, you haven't seen it yet on the feed, please go back and have a listen to that. We do cover some great topics and some great fights that we are really looking forward to seeing this year, but ones that we really do want to see this year as well. If you have been listening on Spotify, please make sure you leave a comment below about what you thought of this episode. Any thoughts on the differing opinions me and Jamie have had in this episode and any thoughts on what you think happens next for both Jonas and Maya. Also, if you are listening on Apple and you haven't rated us or left a review, please go on there and do that as well. A final shout out goes out to the patrons of the podcast. Thank you for supporting us. As always, we hope you've been enjoying your early access to the Legendary Nights series. The latest episode is now up on that feed as well as the BTR feed. That is the tale of Mark Kayla versus Errol Christie. Please do go and tune in to the latest episodes of the Legendary Nights series. If you're not a patron, you want to check out what we do, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you again for listening to the Big Fight Reaction on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Podcast Network.